We're welcoming you tonight to River Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, where we're ministering the Word of God, the truth of the Word of God. And we're ministering on a particular subject tonight, the second time, uh, on what makes the great, great. What is it that makes great people great? What is the common thread, the, the uh, consistent ingredient in people, in men and women, that they are destined to be great. And if they get knocked down, if something happens to them, they lose all their money or lose all their office, because the great are great on the inside, they just become great again. It's not measured by external things, although those things are are plentiful. So we're going to pick up where we started last week, review a little bit. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 23. You know what that is. Let's look in Proverbs 23 and verse 7. We're talking about making the great great. What what is the ingredient? Because I want it. If it's if it's attainable, I want to be great in the kingdom. Jesus said the way up is down. He said if you'd be great in the kingdom, you'd be the servant of all. That's one key. But it says here um, in verse seven. It's kind of it's kind of out of context in a little bit, but it says for this man that's talking about any man. This one's talking about. Uh, uh, an evil eye and dainty meats and all that. And then it summarizes it in verse 7. It says, And that man and any man, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. That is so profound. That is so deep, and even though it's just a few words long, that it's not based on your finances. It's not based on your education or your fame or your skills. It's based on how you think. How you think on the inside, not what you're able to... Uh, so fluidly and graciously share and and um, but how you think on the inside not what you think you got to get how you think because how you think determines what you think so if you're thinking that I'm desperate that I'm a victim that I'm uh, God doesn't like me then you're going to think wrong thoughts if that's the basis and the foundation but if you're thinking ah we got this me and Jesus we got this this is no step for a stepper Greater is he that's in me. Well, then you're going to have a different outcome, even though it's the same situation. It's going to change. And so we talked about last week that if, if your life is constantly resisting the promises, it's just like nothing seems to fall right. And I've met those people. Do you all know those people that they just are always on the brink of breakthrough, just almost there all the time. And then somebody, something comes by and waylays them and, and turns it around. Uh, but if, if you find yourself just, just not able to put the promises to bear, you're doing all the right things, you're, you're reading the Word, and you're praying, and you're giving, and you're, 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 you're being nice to cats, which is real high in my estimation for being nice. You don't have to be that nice, but if you were, that'd be real nice. But if those things are happening, you've got to change the way you think. You've got to change the way you think. Change the way you think. Not what you think. That'll only last for a little bit. You can contrive things in your mind to say, well, I'm going to think this way. But it won't last long, and you'll go back to the way you'll think. So how should you think? According to this scripture and others, it's, you should think as big as you can. Think as big as you can. We're going to look at the scripture that emphasizes that. And you should, you, you should have wild expectation. Point to yourself and just say, wild expectation. Come on, let's do it again. Wild expectation. Out of the boat, out of the, out of the banks, just like nobody should expect that. That is not reasonable. That's not even what we think God would do. Oh, yeah. 
So turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. We're just going to, we got to breeze through this or I'll be at the same place I was last year, last week. Yeah, last year. Well, oh my, oh my. Ephesians chapter 3. We're just going to look, we're going to skim through this. If you, if you don't know what we're doing, you just got to look at last week's. It says in verse 20, this, this is, this is thinking like God thinks. This is how God thinks. Now unto him, that's thinking, that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or all that we think. So he said, if you'll get your thinking as far as it can go, I'll add to it. I'll put it in there according to the power that worketh in us. So it's not something divine coming down. It was already happened that divine came down. It's according to the power that works in us. So you got to know, you got to think right, like greater is he that is in me. He always causes me to triumph. You got to think right. If you think you're a worm, you're going to eat worm food. You're going to do worm things. <laughs> Have a wormy life. <laughs> the Amplified says, uh, is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly far over and above all that we, I like this, all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our wildest, our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. Now, I kind of butchered that, but you get the point that God says, whatever you got, I got more, and I'll add it to you. And we looked at the passion last week. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request. Now, yeah, buddy, I got some, I've got some requests out there. I filled the box up. The request box, I've already put some stuff in it and said, this is what we need. Yeah. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream. And exceed your wildest imagination, he will outdo them all. I like that. I'm going to put that in my Bible somewhere, have a little arrow that points over and says, look at that. Amen. So the word says, exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. So we got to ask yourself. You, gotta, you, you, have to, you have to get off of, well, I missed it there, and I feel so bad, and I, I, I messed up there, and I feel so bad, and I'm just guilty, and I'm a... You got to get off of that mess and start saying, son... How do you think? Are you always looking for somebody? I, this used to make me so angry because I'm pastor and, and uh, I'd say, uh, uh, I should call somebody and say, would you come by and see me at the office? And the first thing a lot of them would say was, what I do? That would just tear me up is, in a sense because I've always been nice. <laughs> Y'all say amen real quick. So, the, so. so how do you think? We got to know how we think because... Because you're the only judge, if nobody else judges you, and the Word doesn't judge you, if you don't read the Word, then you're looking at yourself saying, yeah, that's pretty good, when you're not good at all. We're ju we have to get outside of our own thinking, our own judgment, because we're judging ourselves, and we're always giving ourselves an attaboy. Pretty good, pretty good. We're better than them, and better than them, pretty good. But maybe not. And so how do you think? It's above what we ask or think. So we're going to have to figure out how we think, because God can only go further than how we think. If we think wrong, he can't take it further. There's no exceeding abundantly above if you think you're a worm. Well, it's based on what we think, what he can do in our lives. Isn't that good? Yeah, amen. So um, we got to find a way to think that God can exceed. i got to find a way to think that God can go past. 
And if I don't get my thinking, if I don't put the mind of Christ out there, if I don't think like he's thinking, he cannot exceed it because it's not in his realm. You know, he finishes everything he starts, but he doesn't have to finish anything that he doesn't start. So we got to get our thinking on that. I'm endeavoring to only pray prayers that God can answer. So someone says, well, pray for me so I can get my job at Walmart. Well, how do you know it's at Walmart? Well, that's just what I think. Well, you don't have a word from heaven on that. Now, you do have a word that says he'll supply all your need, and he'll bless you in your coming in and going out, and the spirit of the, of the, the blessing of the Lord maketh. We have those words, but we don't have Walmart. So unless he speaks to you and says, believe me for Walmart, and he could do that, and he does. We got to just go with what? To, you got to think right, or you'll pray a Walmart prayer, and God can't touch it. And so now we're mad at God because because Joe and Fred got the Walmart job, but they didn't call me because we didn't pray like God can answer. Amen. So I got to get to this. Um, let's talk about this thinking concerning our faith. Consider we talked about this last week that uh, people that have a financial need they consider getting a loan at a bank. That's not uncommon. It's not even a sin. We're not here to talk about that, but. Everybody knows when you go into a bank or an institution, they're going to throw paperwork at you. They're going to push you some paperwork because they said, we're going to have to assess the risk, the probability of us getting our money back with interest, and uh, we want to know all about you, and then we will analyze uh, what you tell us and see if we need more. And so we, we are making our case on that paperwork for approval. We want this loan. We, we want this loan, and, and they're going to, if we get approved, they're going to give us this money, and we're going to go off and do it. But we make our case with paperwork, and then we, if, if we do get approved, we sign contracts that says, I will do this, and I will do it by then, and if I don't do it, y'all can come get me. And they will. <laughs> uh, yes, sir. So uh, suppose you and I have to go through a process, wouldn't be paperwork, but we have to go through a qualifying process in order to get into the dramatic increase, the exceeding abundantly above. Now, he does supply all of our need, and we're so glad about that, but I got a lot more going on than need. I, I can tell you lots of people that don't even like God, and they got their so-called needs met. And so it's, that's, I'm not impressed. I mean, I'm very impressed, but on the other hand... Uh, I need more. I, will, I want the supernatural. I want the miraculous. I want the above and beyond. And God said, if you'll get your thinking right, I can do exceeding abundantly above how you think, what you think, according to whatever, whatever's in you. It won't be some special gift that comes down for 20 minutes. and, and every. So let's, let's say that, like a guy going to the bank, that we're going we're gonna to access the heaven for $100,000. That'll make it where you can't say, I could do that on my own. I think everybody in here would say, if God was to just drop a hundred grand in your life, you'd say, nobody can take the credit for that. Nobody in my family likes me that much, and I don't know enough dirt on somebody that does to uh, extort it. So we're saying $100,000, you're going to God and say, Lord, I want $100,000. And so... We think, well, we just speak to the mountain one time. Be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea. Does not doubt in his heart, but believe those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Well, how's that working for you? All by itself. So it's got to be more to it than just one and done. 
speak to the mountain or, you know, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them, you shall have them. That's all essential, and that is the foundation. But there's more. And we looked at five things, four things, excuse me, that are factors that, are, that affect your outcome. Factors that get you not only not from heaven's side, we're not trying to massage God, but we're getting it where we can receive. He's a better giver than we are receivers. So we're, we're not working on him saying, oh, God, please, I need it, and I'll do this, and I'll quit that. Now, that none of that works. We have to get ourselves where not only can we receive it, but we can hold on to it, and we can be stewards of it. So we looked at four things. We said there's desire, not going through that. There's ability. There's our faith ethic. And there's our knowledge and revelation absorption rate. Now, you may think this is silly, but the kingdom is very, very refined and very uh, uh, very nitpicky, so to speak. The mercy of God is wide open, but if you're going to get something from God's Word by faith, then you got to get where He is. It's kind of like being a lawyer talking to a lawyer or a judge. you gotta, you got to deal with it like it is because there's no, no pretty closes. Y'all know what pretty close is. Hallelujah. So um, let's let's have let's start our heavenly application. We're going to apply for a hundred thousand dollars from the kingdom of heaven, and uh, we're born again. We're, we're we love God. We love the Word. We're in faith, but we've been that way a long time, and nothing happened. So let's let's tweak it. Let's see if there's more. We talked about how much do you want it? Your desire. And are you committed even if you're delayed or denied? That's, that's, that'll tell you who's in and who's not. It's like, this thing's lasted a long time. I'm out of here. Well, you didn't have much desire. We measure you and say you get a zero or a one. But somebody that just said, ah, God said it, I believe it, and that's the end of it. Well, that person's going to do better, would you say? And so... Uh, um, I, t- I told this last week, I said, uh, oh, honey, I want to I wanna wake up with you the rest of my life, talking about conviction or preference. And he tells her, he says, well, I get up at 5 o'clock. And she says, pay no attention to everything I just said. <laughs> so that's, that's the difference between conviction and preference. And we outlined this, that a conviction is something that you hold that has the same value as your own life. Before you would let that thing get away, you would just as soon lose your life. It's that valuable. And you say, that's impossible. Well, there's lots of parents that would say that about their children. I, I, I'd, if, if I could, I'd save them. I'd stand in front of it. I would stop it even if it took me. Well, that's a conviction. But a preference is like, pay no attention to what I just said. So uh, a, a, con- a preference is when there is a price that you will pay, because everything has its price in the preference room. It's the price you'll pay to opt out, that you'll trade the short term because it hurts or it feels real good or uh, I don't need it that bad. You'll, you'll opt out of the, I will never change, I will go the distance, I, this is me, this is, you'll opt out. If there's a price where you opt out, then it's a preference. You prefer to be blessed. You prefer to be healed. You prefer to get it supernaturally. You prefer to get it with your faith. But if it hurts too much, costs too much, takes too long, we're going to uh, opt out of that. Uh, number two, we talked about your ability to engage the process right now. A lot of people are in someday, or I'm, I'm going to believe. 
But uh, what could you do right now if we if we all had to if we all had to make our petition to God for a hundred thousand tonight? You can't leave, and we're going to go by eight thirty or eight or whatever. What could you? Everything you got to give God is in you right now. There's no studying or getting or praying or fasting. What have you got today? Well, that would be your ability to release your faith. Are you skilled in faith? We're all skilled in something. We have a particular craft and a expertise that uh, we've honed and, and uh, worked with. But how is our faith expertise? Or are we just lobbing something out there saying, God, this is the best I can do. I don't, I don't study that faith business, and I'm just throwing it out here. It goes back to what I just said, where you start praying prayers that God has already said, I'll answer that. If you throw it, if it be your will in there, then he can't answer that. Amen. So we looked at that. Number three, uh, we said, what is your faith ethic? And here's what I said. How much word and prayer is normal to you? We're not talking about when you get in trouble and little Johnny is not feeling good and the doctor says it looks bad and we just go into a flurry of prayer, call the prayer chain, call the prayer uh, line and get everybody going. We're not talking about that. We're talking about what is your normal, everyday word ethic and your prayer ethic. That's what you got to put on the application. No, no promises, Lord, I'll do better, and if you'll give me this, I'll do this and that. Can't do any of that. It's the, the, the process is, what are you today? We're putting down who we are. I'm five foot six, and, you know, I wear glasses. That's me. I have to put me down, even though someday, you know, I won't wear glasses, and someday I'll be six foot tall. <laughs> God doesn't believe either of those. Hallelujah. And then um, number four, we said, what is your knowledge and revelation absorption and retention rate? In other words, naturally speaking, you may not have a lot of comprehension. You can read a chapter and then just close the Bible. And, and somebody said, what did you just read? And you go, I have no idea. I don't know anything about what I just read. Well, you have to change that. You can't just say good enough is good enough. That's who I am, and I'll be what I am. No, you got to be able to, you got to, to defeat the devil where Jesus said it is written. You're going to have to have something that you can put in and it stays in, and you can win with it. So it's a factor. You can't go for $100,000 if you have never trained yourself to read the word, absorb the word, and be able to use the word. So we, we would say, if we were to have three classes on the covenant promises of healing and supply, we had three one-hour classes. That would be pretty concise. And then we sent you out to the grocery store and into the mall, and we said, come back with two people that says, based on what they told me, I believe. That's got to be there, don't you think? Uh, your absorption rate and your retention rate. In other words, you can't go to church once a month. <laughs> you can't read your Bible once a month and absorb much. You'll lose your place. You'll lose your thought. They say school kids lose a fourth of all that they learn over the summer, and they have to start all over. So how about that? Well, it's no different in the kingdom. We have to change that. So we're having to exercise ourselves with the word. We may have to put a scripture on the mirror. We may have to uh, have a little card that reaches out and says, my God shall supply all my need according to where we just keep ourselves, where we absorb it and we retain it so we can use it. So based on that, are you ready to apply to God for a $100,000 endowment? 
you may say based on one to 10 that it might not be a 10. Certainly we're not zero or one, but somewhere in there we go, I need to work on one of those. Would y'all say that could be true? I I need to hone up. I need to uh, uh, sharpen up. Because it's not just speaking to the mountain one time and saying, I did what he said close enough. Brother Hagin wrote a bunch of books about uh, 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 writing your ticket with God, and it always worked for him. But a lot of people read those books and said that it didn't work for me. Well, he didn't factor in that he had a relationship, he had a belief system, and he had an absorption rate uh, that, that he just, you can't write down. So he gave you the mechanics, but you, you got to have more than just I read it and I did it. So um, let's, look, let's look at uh, faith factors. Faith factors. I'm going to say one more time. Faith factors. Things that make your faith strong. Because you can have strong faith. Didn't the Lord Jesus say, uh, great is your faith, or I've never seen such great faith? And then he said, oh, ye of little faith. He told that to Peter when he was, in, when he was going underwater. Oh, little faith. So uh, we need to get our faith where it's on the edge, where it's, where it's honed out. Number one, we're going to look at position. We're going to look at capacity. We're going to look at motive. And then I've, this word, number four, I couldn't find a better word, so I'm going to call it legacy. And then I'm going to, number five, I'm going to say a blueprint for the future. Let's go through those. I, I, let's, let's talk about position. Faith factors, let's talk about position. And here's the question we ask, what is your track record? Here's the question. You're asking God for $100,000. You've already made your plan and you've got your scriptures lined up. And the first thing he's going to ask you is your position. How did you handle the last $5,000? I sent you money. I made a way. There wasn't any way. I sent money in. You got a better job. Somebody dropped something off. The the company said, you don't owe us. A number of things that $5,000 came into your life over some course of time. And how did you do with it? Did you tithe on it? Did you give out of it? Did you give God thanks for it? What did you do with the last five? God wants to know before he gives you the next hundred. And here's the scripture. It's in Luke 16. Don't y'all love the scripture in verse 10? It says, he that is faithful... In that which is least, what, what, is faithful also in much. So you don't even have to give somebody a whole bunch of stuff to see if they're good. Just give them something little. Matter of fact, that is the test because people will probably rise up to a big thing and they'll poo-poo a little thing away. I heard Bill Winston say one time, he said, uh, uh, faithful over little. He talked about how you rented a car and you've got to go fill it up before you turn it in. And you open the little door and it says, uh, Super premium unleaded only. And you look left and you look right. There's nobody in the car and they can't tell it. And so what are you going to do? You're going to hit the left button, which is $2.50, or you're going to hit the right button. That's $3.50. Now, I'm not making this a gasoline issue, of course, but faithful, he, it says, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. You can tell what people are about by just watching their little stuff. You don't have to, you don't have to put them under a big pressure and say, wow, we got to find out what you're made of. Look at the little stuff the Lord Jesus said, and you'll know everything about them. And if therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, come on, who will commit 
to your trust the true riches. And if you had not been faithful in that which is another man's, so now here we're talking about work, we're talking about rent houses, we're talking about who shall give you that which is your own? Oh, this is the biggest stewardship passage in the Bible, I think. It just, it, it, it just tells you all about people. You give them a little something to do because you're, you're wanting to make them vice president, so you give them a little errand that's nothing that anybody can do that they, you know, and they flub the dub. They say, you know, I'm not an errand boy. What are you, what are you talking to me? I'm, I'm vice president material. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. You're not vice president material. Amen. Okay, let's talk about number two. That was our position. We've, we've positioned ourselves on little things. That's your position. You may not have a lot of money to look over and see. But isn't it interesting that you got to tithe on $100,000, the same percentage that you tithe on $100? It's just as hard for the man with $100 to tithe. I mean, for $100,000, it's as hard for him to tithe, if it's hard, as it is the man with $100. Oh, God's fair. And if you can't do that, well, then you, you're disqualified. You cannot be great. Number two, let's ask this question about a faith factor. Do you have a $100,000 capacity? You know there's lots of people that win the lotto that do not have lotto capacity. And so you're stuffing a 55-gallon barrel worth of liquid. You're pouring it over a Coke bottle that's got an opening this big or a mason jar, and it's the, most of it's going to go out. And you're not going to get hardly any in there because there's no capacity and so, you, you know, but if you pour from one barrel into another barrel, hey, that'll work. Well, same thing. In Matthew 25, it says, And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, now listen, to every man according to his several ability. And that word ability is also translated capacity. So the Lord is going to give you and I, according to what we've been in the first one, faithful over little, master over much. It's not what you do with the big things. The Bible says in uh, Song of Solomon, I believe, Ecclesiastes, it says the, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little stuff that gets us. The, the, what is that old saying that's in the world? The devil's in the details, whatever that means. But uh, it's the little stuff, not the big stuff. Amen. So uh, uh, what's your capacity? Well, if you give a dime or a dollar when you're making $10,000 a month and you're just tipping God, tipping God, just tipping God, you want to be seen that you're giving something like people at the restaurant when they want to put something down for the waitress. And she gets there and she goes, she rolls her eyes. I watch them. I watch them roll their eyes. Now, there was a $30 dinner there and she just worked her little arms off and there she got a dollar and a quarter or something. And you can just see oh, Mr. and Mrs. just... They got them a coin purse, and they're picking it out and putting it back and getting a dime. And yeah, I, I just well, see if that's your capacity. If that's what you, how you think, you you can't go for the hundred thousand. You may not can go for a thousand. Are y'all hearing me? Amen. So we got to develop our capacity. So if you're going to God and say, I want 100000 he's going to ask you, what's your capacity? Because he's a good steward. God's a good steward. He says, I want you to be one. Well, he, he is one if he asks us to be one. Number two, or number three, we're talking about motive. What is your motive to be taking this risk? 
a kingdom risk, what is your motive? You're asking God to be able to sing? That would be quite the prayer for me. God, I want to sing. He goes, no, son, you've asked a hard thing. (laughs) Oh, but but I'm keeping it back where it should be. What is your motive to receive the $100,000? So it goes back to preference and conviction. And, uh, you know, I want to wake up with you the rest of my life. I get up at 5 a.m., forget everything I just said. That's a preference. And God knows, he knows, but do you know, do I know what our motive is? Do we want to be seen of men? That was certainly in the Pharisees of Jesus' day. It says they put on long robes and a long face and, and to be seen of men. And Jesus said, you got your reward. There's nothing coming. And uh, sometimes motives are very important with people. They don't have a pure motive. They, uh, uh, Ananias and Sapphira. Everybody was throwing things at the apostles' feet, and they came by and said, we want a little of this, but we don't want to throw it all in there. And the Holy Ghost caught them. Their motives weren't pure. It's not that they couldn't give less, but they were trying to show up that they were giving it all. So motives is everything. And I I like this. The price preference is the price you're willing to sub out for long-term values. You have a goal that says, I'm never going to, I'm never going to, what, what could we say? I'm never going to go to the bar again. And then, but, but, well, that's not a good example. But, but you say, but today, I, it's special. It's Johnny Bob's birthday. And I, I'm just going to drink one drink, you know. Well, you sell out on your conviction. That was a conviction. I will never do that again. I'm, I'm solid. The Lord's helping me. But you sell out for a price. And it just becomes a preference. And you're only going to be able to go to God on your application based on convictions, things that you would not trade anything for if you, if you, your life is as important as the conviction. Number four, I've got to go here. Um, what was number four? Legacy. Yeah, that's kind of a hard one. And I came up with this is the question. It'll be on your spiritual application. Have you ever sown any significant percentage of your earlier income to fund a previous plan. In other words, how did you do with money that you've had? Did you sow it or did you eat it? Well, eating's good and God allows for that, but how much did you sow? What's, the pr- what's your track record coming into this 100000 That's what we should say. What's your track record? What, what have you been doing with the little that you've had? We know the widow put, she threw in her two mites and said it was all of her living. And the, uh, the rich people threw in a little bit and Jesus said she outdid them all. Is that right? Yeah. So, uh, what have you done in the past? If you, if you say, God, I'm, I'm good. I'm good for this. I'm going to take care of it. But he looks at your past. He looks in your checkbook, as it were, and says, this is pitiful. You're just tipping. You're just, you're just you, big offering Sunday. You just went to the lake or something. I'm not trying to get on anybody. I'm just saying it factors in. Well, why isn't this working for me? I believed I received when I prayed. I, why isn't this working for me? I spoke to the mountain because there's things that God looks at to see if we can receive what we've asked for. And uh, 
uh, Matthew 25, he said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And we know that word faithful is also translated easily persuaded to believe. So are we a hard knock? Are we like God just has to lean on us? I've had people of all kinds in, in the church since I've been in, well, forever, for 40 years, that you teach the tithe and you show it and everybody around is testifying. I, I used to not tithe and I had a hard life and I tithe and, oh, God poured out and did this and that. Other. But they're just still hard as nails, just like, ah, I can't let go of my money and stuff. And eventually, then many of those come around and they're like, yeah, I've always been here. No, you've just been here 60 days. <laughs> you've been in the church 20 years, but you've just been there for 60 days. Well, it's not something for man to judge, but it just means when you go to God for a big thing to you, you don't have confidence to receive because you don't have a track record that says, God, look me up. Look at my resume. Look at my giving record. Give it my, get, look at my sewing record. Get, look at what I've done when nobody was looking. And you'll see that I'm good for this. Amen. Number five. Five is the blueprint for the future. And uh, here's the question that I came up with. What are your plans after you get the 100000 That's a lot of money. And probably, since you used your faith on it, it's not a literal bank. You could do anything with that. In some cases, you could certainly manipulate it or turn it or skim off some or whatever. Uh, what, it, what, is your, what is your plans? Because faith makes plans. Let's say that together. Faith makes plans. Somebody says, I'm in faith. And I say, well, what's your plan? Well, I don't have any plan. I'm just, that means they're just trying to get through what they're going through. And they're, they're not sure they're going to make it or it's going to come out. So they're making no plans until they see how it's going to turn out. But faith says, I know how it's going to turn out. This is a done deal. What do you mean it's a done deal? The doctor said this and the banker said that. You're, you're, you're wide open here. You, you're, faith makes plans. I got this. I'm already moved on to the next thing. Wow. So based on these five points, are you ready? Do you have expectation that you can have success with your venture with God, that you can go to God and say, I'm in faith about 100,000, and I got my heart right. I've, been, I've got a track record here. I can handle this much money. I can, I can move it into the kingdom. And that's what it always is, is God gives you anything. It's his, still his money. Nobody's ever got anything from God that became theirs. He, he even gives us the tithe to give back to him. It's like, this is a little test. I'll give you the tithe, but I want to see what you do with it. So are we ready to say, I've got success here. I can do this with God. And so back to, now to my question, what makes the great great? Said all that to say this. What makes the great great? What makes great men, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Billy Graham, what makes the great great? Well, you could say, uh, we could guess and say it's perception. They had good skills at, at, of getting around. They had a golden personality. And certainly a lot of them are uh, silver-tongued and had a great, I, I, I'll just put Joe Morris's name out here. Joe Morris, and he is gold. Let me just tell you, he's gold. But I, Joe goes with everybody. He works, he can get along with kings and, and magistrates. But when I'm with him, and other people have said this, he makes you feel like you are the king and the magistrate. And you know, he's just got a thousand people running around him, and yet you're glowing in front of him. 
That, so you could have that and say, well, that's why they're great is because of that. But that's not what makes Joe Morris or anybody else great is having that, that factor. Is it power? Is it wealth? Is it success? Is it fame? Uh, is it some position? Like family, sometimes they inherit a lot of money and all of a sudden they don't know jack about the situation, but they're, they're the son. And so they got the money and they can run the company in the ground or they can take it to new heights. What is it position? Is it? Is it perception? Or we could say, sometimes we could look at people that are great and say, they were just at the right place at the right time. And certainly that helps. It, it, it is a shortcut through the woods. Um, you could say of these people that the great, the great are great because they were willing or they were interesting. They had a vibrant personality. But I'm here to tell you, just to cut it short, it's neither of these things. And so if it's neither of these things, you and I can qualify. If it's not, you know, tall, dark, and handsome, here I am. If it's not a great orator, you know, just uh, has a fluid with words and just can illustrations flow out, I have no chance. It may be that if you have to have a skill set that you've never even been around, you, you've got to be able to mechanic a car, change out spark plugs, you, you're toast. Spark plugs, what are those? But it's not that. Let me tell you what it is. What makes the great great is a sense of destiny. What we're talking about here is uh, faith in action. It's just somebody that says, I believe. And it translates into that. Let me read you a story in Genesis chapter 37. We're, we're winding it down. And, and Joseph had everything against him. But here's what he did have. It says one night in verse 5, one night Joseph had a dream, and he told his brothers about it. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundles stood up. Your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. Great dream. Probably the wrong crowd. But, you know, it was from God, and it wasn't his fault that the people's hearts, his brothers' hearts, were foul. They were dark. And it says, soon Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about it, saying, the sun, moon, and 11 stars, there were 11 brothers, bowed low before me. So uh, he had, they, they, threw, they threw him in the pit. They got him out of the pit, sold him into slavery. They took him into Egypt. Uh, they accused him falsely in Potiphar's house. They threw him in the dungeon from 13 to 20 years. We don't know for sure, but a long time. And you could say this man has no chance of being great. But the Bible says that he was a steward over the prison and that he was faithful over little. He was a man of detail and he just acted like it was a great day. I said he just acted like it was a great day. And anybody else would say, kill me, take me, take me out of here if I have to do what he's doing. But he was great inside because he had this thing about God using him, him being important, him being key, and he believed it, and he stayed steady so God could do what he wanted to do. He was great. He became number two in the kingdom, the Egyptian kingdom, I should say, and he was great because of that. So there was no positive circumstances in Joseph's life. Would you all agree? His father even got mad at him and, and, and couldn't come after him. Every, everything was against him. The devil was in full bloom. But 
the circumstances they brought to him did not spell out his future. Life isn't what you have. Life is what we respond to. And so Joseph responded. Abraham responded. It's been a long time since God said, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And then when he finally got the boy, the Lord said, put him on the altar and raise the knife. And Abraham said, I, you, know, you know, Abraham said then, he thought and said, he's going to raise him up. There's going to be a resurrection here because the promise said, I will have this son and have a great nation. And that's what makes the great great. And so everybody here and in broadcast, you have the ingredients, you have the potential, you have the opportunity to be great. Not that you want to be great, but you want God to be, believe you're great. You don't want God to say, what a worm, what a sorry, dirty little worm. You want God to say, that's my boy, that's my girl, and I'm, I'm banking on her. I'm, I've got that in there. So we'll go back to our little factors here because they don't seem spiritual, but they really are. Uh, what life goal that you have in your life right now, like someday, someday, maybe like Joseph, the sheaths are going to bow down to me and mom and, and, and our 11 kids. That was in him. Well, we don't have that word, but we have a greater is he that is in us word. We have a head and not the tail. We have a seated with him in heavenly places. We have, just, we have just as much. Oh, my, we have more. We have the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. So don't say, well, I didn't get that dream. That's just how they worked in the Old Testament. But now it's even better. The Lord just, he just pours it out and says, I want everybody to be great. It's not what you have in your life. It's how you respond to what you have in your life that makes the great great. So what would you trade now for a, a, uh, a, a short-term goal? What would you trade for a long-term goal? In other words, you say, I said I was going to be this or do that. I said I wasn't going to mess around in the prison for 17 years. But if God wants to promote me, he knows where I am. What would you trade for an end-time goal? Now, if you have a conviction, you won't trade anything. You'll stick to it. You won't leave God. You won't leave your wife. You won't, you know, there's convictions in there and says it'll never happen, and you stick to it. It takes sacrifice to stick to convictions. There's a short-term run in there where you have to just bite it and say, this looks terrible. I've got the tithe and I've got the rent, and they're one and the same. What am I going to do? Well, that spells it all out, doesn't it? Um, so it's based on convictions and preferences. So the Lord wants us to turn our preferences into convictions. Anybody can walk a two-by-four that's two feet off the ground. But what if you put that two-by-four 100 feet in the air? It's just the same two-by-four, same feet, same balance, everything. But it's a world of difference. Unless you think right and say, if I got it there, I got it here. And God can use that person that's not afraid of the external circumstances. And number two, I put down, know yourself. Now, y'all, th there's a timing for everything, and I've been out of timing as much as anybody. But the Bible tells us to be honest with ourselves and to compare ourselves with no man. Be honest. And, and the truth is, uh, if you hadn't got it, Go back and get it instead of charging ahead. Don't ask for $100,000 if you're just a $20,000 person. 
If you need 100, then drop back and hone up and get your, get your track record right and get your motives right and get your capacity right. And then march in there and say, I got this. I'm going to pray a prayer that God can answer and it'll happen. So you pray, you got to wait till you can pray the prayer of victory or you have to walk away. Now that's the, that's the most important thing I've said tonight. You got to be able to pray the prayer of victory where you are with what you're doing, with what you're asking God. And it's going to take a leap. It's going to take some growing. It's going to take some capacity. And if you're not there, don't jump too soon. Don't jump too soon. Don't say, I got this, because God said I got this. God said a lot of things about your situation. So you got to go to church. You got to read the word. You got to take the word and you got to act on it, which is what faith is. You can't just say, I go to church and that's the best nap I have all week long. (laughs) That's not really what the word's talking about as far as uh, your faith. Amen? Well, I've been sitting on this teaching now for 20 something years and I've never got to teach it. So. I was pretty excited that the Lord said, let's do this. Amen. And there's a lot there. Don't want to discourage anybody that says, oh, I, I was, God told me to believe him for 100000 and now you've thrown water on me. You... No, we didn't. If you really got it, you still got it. I can't talk you out of it. And if you'll take it right, it'll help you. It'll get you over there. Amen. Amen. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. I just love the word, don't y'all? I just love what he, his plans for us, his, uh, his plans. Now, you're older this year than you've ever been. And Jesus is coming back sooner than he ever was. Same time as always, but, uh, you know, someone said today, you know, when we, if we act right, Jesus will come back sooner. Well, that's one thought. But another thought is he's coming back the same time no matter what it is. He just, God just looked ahead and said, this is when it's all going to line out, so this is when he's coming back. He didn't cause the future, but he certainly knows the future. However you play it, it's a finite time, and we don't have to die and miss the rapture. I want to be in the rapture. I don't know what that is, but the exception generation is the generation that never dies. We are the exception. Praise God. So let's be strong. There's army strong, and there's... There's a health strong, and then there's Jesus strong. I want to be Jesus strong. Hallelujah. Amen. So, Lord, I pray over this, this word, and I ask you, Lord, to inspire people with your word that they say that's the answer. That's the, that's the road in. That's the door that opened. I see it now. Just one little point of that, one little part it was the key that, that unlocked everything, and now I'm turned loose. Lord, I ask you to do that by Holy Spirit and and cause us to rise up and be pleasing to you with our faith. Lord, walking on the water. We are water walkers. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for water to walk on. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Praise God.